Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another edition of Wrestling Authority Radio. Unfortunately, we have lost another member of the society known as Professional Wrestling. Earlier this week, we were hit with the news of the death of Deathmatch Wrestling superstar Supreme. Supreme was not only a Deathmatch Wrestling superstar, but he was a man that was very influential in the California wrestling scene. At this time, we want to send our thoughts and well wishes to the friends, family, and fans of Supreme. Yes. Um, Lester Furforce Supreme uh, is survived by his daughter, who has uh, been a guest on our show, um, known as uh, Sage Sin, and um, also had uh, his nephew, uh, Joey Munoz, who is the owner of uh, Santino Brothers Wrestling School um, out in the uh, um, Sun Valley area. And who he was a uh, big influence on his career as well. So, uh, Supreme leaves a legacy far beyond uh, words can describe as he toured the country and other various parts of the world he will leave a legacy behind that fans can remember for uh, a long long time um, so with that being said I'm going to let Steve Kane uh, screen our couple of callers here make sure we've got everybody in here that needs to be in here I'm going right. to tell everybody what's going to happen tonight and uh, we'll get the show officially started ladies and gentlemen tonight we are going to be having an evening with a man that may not be a household name but I promise you the influence that he had on the wrestling business is just as big as what the Hulkster himself had. I am talking, of course, about the original wrestling journalist and historian, John Arezzi, a man with over 45 years of experience in the professional wrestling business. He will bring his knowledge to the airwaves tonight when we proudly welcome him to Wrestling Authority Radio. Then we will be joined by a man that is no uh, stranger to our airwaves, and I am talking about the president of the Cauliflower Alley Club, Mr. B. Brian Blair. These two uh, will speak on what is not only uh, one of the most stressful times I think we have ever seen in the wrestling business for a lot of people, 
um, because of everything going on in our country. But we're going to talk about uh, the impact that something like this has had in the past on the wrestling business and where they think we will go moving forward. So, ladies and gentlemen, without any further ado, we are going to officially get this uh, show underway in just a couple of seconds here. And uh, here we go. I don't know what you had in mind, but here we stand on opposing sides. Let's go to war. Let's go to war! Wrestling Authority Radio, with your host, Chaotic Katie, the voice, Paul Eubanks, the Dean of Wrestling Referees, Steve Kane, and Sadistic Sean David. Lock and load, wrestling fans, it's time for war! Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. I am Sadistic Sean David. This is another loaded edition of Wrestling Authority Radio. Tonight, we will be joined by John Arezzi and D. Brian Blair. I am joined, as always, by my co-host. The Dean of Wrestling Referee, Steve Kane. And the reason why this show could never, ever be a bag of dicks, Chaotic Katie. Welcome to the show, folks. And I see that we do have callers. And one yes. of our guests is here. Yay! And we're going to get right into it because uh, this is a man, like I said, he may not be a household name, but I promise you the influence that this man had on the wrestling business for what I'm counting as the past 45 years is extraordinary. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to Wrestling Authority Radio, Mr. John Arezzi. Hey, how you doing, everybody? Good to speak to you all. Doing great. Thanks for coming out, and this will be my first time... uh, Speaking to you, so quite the honor, sir. Again, thank you for coming. Ah, oh, you're quite welcome, <laughs> John. And, uh, Forty-five uh, years in the forty-five years in the business is uh, sounds a little extensive. Well, I was I've only been in that, old, I've been in and out of the wrestling know. business for a long time. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, it's only, been a long time, a John. Old. And uh, you know, you started back in the '80s with uh, what everybody remembers is Pro Wrestling Spotlight. You're historic radio show out of New York that would predict things. And, uh, you know, I hate to say this because there's going to be some people that disagree with me, but I, I would rather much less than listen to John Arezzi over Dave Meltzer any day. Oh, my. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, well, actually, my, my career in wrestling goes back even further. In the 1970s, in 1972, I started uh, a fan club I wasn't born. for Fred Blasting. I was uh, and, oh, wow. And, you know, yeah, so Blassie Fan Club uh, started <laughs> in 72. I uh, became a ringside photographer for all the wrestling magazines, the newsstand magazines, in 74. Uh, did that 74, 75, 76. Uh, I actually had a couple matches in the WWF uh, back in 78. Mm. 
I got got my ass kicked by Dusty Rhodes uh, on a TV uh, match, and uh, also worked with uh, uh, the, the Rock's grandfather, Peter Maivia, um, mm. and Chief J. Strongbow from back then. Ooh. But uh, I left the wrestling business for the first time uh, when I graduated college in 1979, and then I returned in 1989 okay. to start Pro Wrestling Spotlight. And uh, had a run from uh, 89 to 96 uh, with the radio show and also started the very first wrestling fan conventions called Weekend of Champions. Uh, and uh, that was 1990 to 90, end of 93. And I got out of the wrestling business in uh, 1996 and entered country music in Nashville. I moved to Nashville, Tennessee. And, uh, and over the last couple of years, I just really started segueing back into wrestling. Uh, just more or less now as a historian and an analyst uh, rather than an active participant in any major promotions right now. Um, now, you you promoted uh, somewhat in an area uh, before you moved down to Nashville where uh, Dennis Coraluzzo had actually done some stuff uh, because you had to run some conventions over that way. How influential was the guy like Dennis Coraluzzo to the NWA back in, you know, the late – uh, well, not the late 90s, but the early 90s when everything was really starting to fall apart with the, them and WCW and them with ECW. Dennis was still trying to make a name for the NWA. Uh, yeah, Dennis was a friend of mine, and uh, you know, unfortunately he passed away uh, several years ago. But uh, Dennis was an independent promoter who got affiliated uh, with the NWA and tried to help uh, keep that brand alive. And he was doing really cool things in Jersey and promoting a lot of shows and was well-liked by a lot of people. But um, he had a situation that developed where uh, there was a big double cross at the ECW arena when Shane Douglas had won the tournament for the NWA championship and decided at that time uh, with Paul E., uh, Paul Heyman and Todd Gordon that they were going to uh, – you know, start ECW, Extreme Championship Wrestling, so they dissed the NWA title and double-crossed Dennis, which is quite controversial. Uh, but uh, Dennis, I, I can't say anything bad about Dennis, because uh, Dennis was a friend, and Dennis was a hard worker. Uh, Dennis meant well, and uh, Dennis did some really great things uh, back in that time. There was a lot of great wrestling uh, back in that time. Now, John, you go back to the time, you know, before WrestleMania started. You were you were there when when WrestleMania started, and you were actually, you know, writing columns before the wrestling business actually got on pay-per-view. Talk to us about how important pay-per-view was for professional wrestling back in the 1980s. Well, I, I had left wrestling. I left wrestling in. Um, 79, as I mentioned. I didn't get back mm-hmm. into 89, but I followed it. And, and the pay-per-view uh, explosion that really started with closed circuit when WrestleMania 1 happened uh, in 1985, uh, it really just kind of <laughs> took the business into a whole uh, different stratosphere uh, with an enormous amount of money and revenue that was being generated from the, the pay-per-view events. And, of course, the WWF at the time was uh, was raking it in, a lot of money. And then, of course, WCW stepped into the fray, as others did. Uh, but uh, pay-per-view was a, ch- a changing catalyst for uh, for revenue in the pro wrestling business. Hmm. Yeah, now, it, because, of course, at that time, um, closed circuit was uh, primarily done for uh, boxing, of course, uh, 
Um, right. The uh, Ali uh, Ali Frazier fights, uh, and of course the uh, um, the thrill in Manila. All of those had been done on closed circuit, and then suddenly Vince decided to take that idea and run it and run it into wrestling. And of course, um, I think a lot of people now by now know the story. I mean, he mortgaged everything and had this failed. Huh. We would we would we would not even know who Vincent Kennedy McMahon is because he would have been he would have been completely out of this business and that. Yeah, he leveraged everything for WrestleMania, and it was a success. He rolled the dice, and it succeeded. Uh, but what Vince McMahon, uh, you know, is going to be known for more than anything else was changing the wrestling business, and 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 really extinguishing the territories uh, that were the breeding ground for pro wrestling. Uh, and he went national with the the cable television, uh, you know, explosion. And he decided he wanted to take the country over, and that's pretty much what he did. Right. Right. Oh, I definitely, now, the, I definitely relate. Yeah. Go ahead, Sean. One of the things that Mr. Rezzi uh, is most notably noted for with his uh, radio show back in New York was during the steroid trial, because, Don, you did a lot of research oh. uh, on that. And uh, do you think that Darkseid uh, could do that justice in season three? Uh, I absolutely do. I think uh, that time period, and I was right in the middle of all of it with the radio show. Uh, I, I think that if uh, Dark Side of the Ring uh, for season three decides to do uh, a couple of things, they can actually do a uh, uh, a show that's centered around the uh, steroid explosion uh, and what happened with Dr. George Saharian, who was their ringside physician out of the Pennsylvania State Athletic Commission, who was arrested by the federal government for uh, steroid distribution and distribution of other narcotics. Uh, I was at the trial of Zaharian, um, and I followed this thing pretty closely. Uh, but I think that uh, Darkseid could do uh, you know, that justice uh, from the steroid explosion of that era, and also which uh, immediately followed it was the sex scandals of the uh, of the 1991-1992 time period uh, where executives of the WWF uh, had resigned uh, in, uh, you know, with allegations of uh, sexual misconduct, uh, especially for underage boys. Uh, so uh, so I think Darkseid has, uh, you know, has some really uh, would be able to cover those events uh, probably better than anyone else. Right. I I remember quite well because, of course, uh, that was around the time that I was actually uh, breaking into the business and I was training in that. And, um, of course, uh, back then, the only way that uh, you knew what was really going on, because, of course, uh, the magazine and Bill After is a good friend of ours. He's been on here many times. Um, but, of course, uh, that was always that was always kayfabe. And that, but uh, the only but the only way you knew, and I think even now, we didn't know everything that back then that we knew now was a uh, little uh, typewritten new typewritten Xerox newsletter called the Wrestling Observer. Yes, I uh, remember it well. 
<laughs> and and I remember, yes, I mean, I remember Dave Meltzer every week. There was something new on that. And, of course, um, you you would probably know this better, John, even than I, um, although we started getting the um, USA was airing the uh, Madison Square Garden cards like a few weeks after they had happened. And um, the inside joke, would be that uh, Gorilla Monsoon would talk about how a certain uh, specialty jobber was a graduate of the Pat Patterson and Terry Garvin School of Self-Defense. So uh, if you don't mind, I'm going to let you expound on that a little bit because since we brought into that uh, particular part of our history. Uh, well, yeah, there were a lot of inside jokes and a lot of inside jokes that came out over the airways, uh, which, of, of course, you know, you wouldn't know what they were referring to if um, you were just a casual fan or even an insider in a way, uh, someone who really followed the uh, the business. But, um, yeah, I mean, those jokes, uh, you know, came back to, to bite them <laughs> when all the allegations started to explode uh, in 92 and uh, it was inappropriate then, and it's inappropriate now uh, for whatever happened. Um, um, you know, obviously, uh, you know, during that time period, there were uh, there were a lot of things that were wrong in the in the organization. And mm-hmm. uh, I'm I'm really happy to see that once this media explosion happened back then, that business cleaned itself up. It had to, mm-hmm. uh, right? So I mean, no one, no one knows, no one really knows what happened. There are a lot of allegations. Uh, you know, all I know is that uh, uh, there are a lot of kids uh, that uh, uh, that you know. Not, I can't tell you how many, uh, but there certainly was more than probably a handful that uh, a ring announcer Mel Phillips had uh, taken advantage ah, yeah. of. Uh, right. And, I, uh, I I was I could I couldn't remember Mel's name. Thank you. You. You uh, brought you brought that name back to me. I remember because they'd also show the spectrum cards, and I and I remember seeing Mel. So, yeah, when uh, yeah when yeah, and he was uh, and he was and he was talked about at the time when he was let go, when he was when he was suspended or fired or whatever. Uh, the the storyline uh, from the organization was that you know he was a uh, occasional laborer, uh, but it was a, hmm. he was an occasional laborer that actually worked for them every single day. Uh, for about 15 years. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Now, I want to give the uh, story about Billy Jack Haynes and the uh, alleged shower incident with Pat Patterson. Which, I've been waiting uh, on yeah. that. Supposedly. Yeah, yeah I mean, here's, here's the deal. Here's the deal, guys. Here's the deal, guys, with that stuff. And, I mean, uh, you know, when it comes to Patterson, uh, you know, I, I said this publicly over the last couple of years since I kind of got back in the wrestling business. Uh, I, I think Pat was, uh, you know, Pat was gay. Everybody knew Pat was gay. I knew Pat was gay in the 1970s. Uh, but and Pat was flirtatious. I mean, he was uh, uh, he was a guy that fooled around a lot. I mean, but, but he got dragged into the sex, sex scandal stuff when it became kind of a media circus and everybody came at it came out of the woodwork. So I think out of all of the allegations that happened, and I'll say this here on this show, uh, I think Pat got, and even by myself, I mean, because I, you know, I got caught up in the frenzy as well. Um, I think Pat was given, uh, was dealt a, a, a bad, a 
bad hand of cards. I think he got brought into something that uh, that that really uh, the allegations uh, were not. Were, you know, not everybody knows 100 percent for sure, but I, I think Pat got dragged into something uh, that there were others that were certainly guilty of. But I, I, I don't think that Pat uh, did all of these things that people allege that he did. Uh, I don't. I, I, I would have because I was right in the middle of it. I was right. In the One middle of the time. I would have to agree with you on that. I think he got blamed for a lot more than, uh, you know, he got blamed for more than his share of maybe what he might have had a hand in it, if, it, if he had a hand in it at all. Terry Garvin was in another situation. I mean, Terry Garvin, I mean, there were just allegations about him, too. And I, I would tend to believe that the things that Terry was alleged to have done uh, was probably more, uh, you know, can I be reasonably enlightened, please? Sure. Can you be reasonably please. enlightened? Sure. Yes. What do you need to know? No, like, you don't have to give me allegations if you don't want to, but you know that's what I'm asking for. Um, like, well, I mean, there were allegations. There were allegations. There were allegations that uh, performers, especially some of the younger performers who were trying to get a break in the business, uh, mm. had to uh, perform sexual favors. In order uh, to get uh, win or to even get a job in the organization back then, uh, there were mm-hmm. allegations of uh, of sexual harassment that were thrown against uh, uh, you know against even Vince at one time with a female referee you know that, that didn't go to yeah. trial of course. But the biggest uh, yeah. the biggest uh, part of that scandal were the ring boys, these underage kids who were taken across state lines. Uh, with mm. the promises of getting a job, set up the ring, and those were those were the ones that were abused, and all of the cases were settled out of court. Uh, right. So, uh, never went to trial. Matter of fact, when when I was on the panel for the Phil Donahue show in 1992, with Bruno Sammartino, Billy Graham, Dave Meltzer, oh, and uh, some others, and Vince McMahon, um, the uh, the main person that was uh, the first to come across with the allegations on the Ring Boy scandal was a kid named Tom Cole, who uh, alleged that Mel Phillips had uh, sexually molested him uh, multiple times over the course of many years. Uh, but and, and the day of the Donahue show, he was supposed to be on the panel, but he was uh, he was paid off that day and given a job with the WWF. Uh, so, wow, uh, that was that was uh, shocking. At that time. Now, I want to go back to Dark Side a couple of weeks ago, where they talked about uh, Vince coming into the Pennsylvania Police Department and with a briefcase of what we all have to assume was cash or a check, a big check. Um, talk to us about how you think Vince has paid off some of these things that, like you just said, over the years that have uh, disappeared. And, and could have ruined Vince's credibility, but uh, had been slid under the rug because of maybe money or other favors that Vince has done. Well, there are a lot of there's a lot of speculation out there, and of course, you know, no one knows the real facts. I mean, it's, it's speculation, uh, and the speculation about Snuka and what happened was was out there. Darkside uh, covered it, alluded to it, but uh, you know, unless you were there, nobody really knows. I mean, you could read about. The, the lore of what happened back then. Uh, there's only one person that really knows it, isn't there? Jimmy Snook is dead. 
Right. Vince McMahon knows. So, yep. or, or, you know, whoever was uh, prosecuting or whoever was in the law uh, enforcement uh, departments uh, in Pennsylvania at that time, uh, you know, no one knows. No one was behind those closed doors but those je- those principals. Right. Right. Uh, it's, it just blows your mind to think of what other situations Vince, you know, Vince shows up and he's got that briefcase of money and situations go away and you, exactly. you, sit, you sit back and think about it and you're like, man – there's a lot of ugly situations that Vince has had to deal with over the years. Um, and a lot of them, you know, he didn't bring on himself, but some of them, some of them have gone away uh, more than others. And, you know, we've talked about, we talked with Jerry Jarrett about it, about when that steroid trial happened, about how close Jerry Jarrett was from really stepping in and running that company. It, it was a matter of days. Um, that uh, yeah. during during you're talking about during the time Vince was on trial. Uh, yes, in, for right. the steroid. Yeah, yes. I was at, I was at that I was at that trial every day. I was there. It's scary to think that um, you know in 1992 we talked about steroids, and uh, here we are years later talking about how many how much steroids is uh, taken from the wrestling business and guys like Hawk and uh, Hawk and you know, Chris Benoit and everything that we're learning about um, everything that we're learning now with some of yeah. these stories that are coming out. It's, it's mm-hmm. re- uh, I've, I've said it before. I think we need to take a closer look uh, between heart disease, which could be drug induced or not and professional wrestling death. Uh, you know, the one that I go back and look at, and of course it was drug related, but you go back and look at Van Van Bigelow's death. And you're like, man, this is a guy that he was huge. But yeah. again, heart attack, drug related, maybe not. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, they, condition. The, that era, that era, mm-hmm. uh, when you look at really the, the, the mid the mid 80s, um, the mm-hmm. late 80s, the 90s, there was no, there, you know, the WWE was not a public company. Um it was, you know, it was, it was, it was a bad time for the business. It was a bad time. The drug abuse that was taking place, the amount of the amount of wrestlers that were lost uh, due to steroid complications and and heart attacks and you know painkillers and the overdoses and it was an unregulated um, it was an unregulated uh, business that uh, chewed up and spit out so many people and so many individuals who died uh, under the age of 40 years old because of the Mm -hmm. abuse and because of the fact that the industry uh, never had health insurance and never had a retirement plan, that all these guys are independent contractors. Uh, And to this Mm -hmm. day, they're independent contractors, but it's a much more controlled and it's, it's a much more, it's a much more, it's a business. It's an entertainment company now. Uh, things are taken, uh, looked at and taken care of. The guys have uh, the ability now to go into a rehab that's paid for by the organization. So, I mean, that mm-hmm. era that we're talking about from the mid to late 80s right through, I would say, the Attitude Era, uh, it, was, it was a horrible, horrible uh, business because of all the death and all of the mm-hmm. uh, the tragedy that took place. And you can name dozens of people who died based on 
the lifestyle of what a professional wrestler was back then. Yes. Mm. Um, it was, well, it was, from, the, from, from what I gather and what I've seen, especially on dark side, it's pretty much a rock star lifestyle. Pretty much. Absolutely. You, saw, you, you, you saw a lot of Booker Sugar usage, a lot of escorts, a lot of strippers, a lot, of course, a lot of drinking, a lot of late night six day parties, you know, Audrey the Giant passing out in, in the lobby. Um, you know, it, it was just a free for all. Wellness policy wasn't heard of, and when it was heard of, it was a joke. So, of course, we're, we're going to be getting wrestlers dying of substance. Related reasons, and of course, uh, we we heard about uh, a guy that uh, unfortunately could not control his habits. But before we get to that, John, yeah. I, we talked to this, we talked to our fans about this a lot, and I'll bring some fans on that have worked in the wrestling business uh, to kind of weigh in on this with you. Talk to us about the str- stress and struggle of putting together that first. Uh, convention that you put together uh the interactive fan fest that we would we yeah, now I mean, know that, is was, some... that was a labor of love for me i mean in 1990 i had had the radio show up and running now for about a year uh, i always felt that uh the wrestling fans really never had the opportunity to kind of do meet and greet and get close to these guys and and I was a big baseball fan, so I'd go to baseball card shows and see a lot of baseball legends signing autographs. And I was like, why not in pro wrestling? So that was, that, that's what gave me the idea uh, to start the very first uh, fan convention. And uh, now it's certainly, they're everywhere. But uh, for that first uh, convention, I booked uh, Sting, who had just won the NWA championship from Flair in 1990, uh, Terry Funk, Bruno San Martino, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat, uh, Cactus Jack, uh, and then a lot Ooh. of independent guys. And, uh, you know, the following year in 1991 was probably my favorite convention, and that featured uh, Ric Flair uh, right before he went to the WWF. And I had Luthez and Buddy Rogers and Bruno and superstar Billy Graham oh. and Fabulous Moolah oh. and Woman and Ra- Ravishing Whoa. Rick Rude and, uh, and oh. So many others, um, and then I had you know a, re- a reunion with Bruno and Zabisco the following year. Jushin Thunder Liger. Uh, then I brought the Mexican connection in with the AAA and Conan, and I mean, so I mean, I booked mm. these conventions for uh, four consecutive years, and uh, they were stressful. They didn't, you know, they uh, they didn't make a lot of money because I overpaid a lot of guys and. It was a brand new business model. I was figuring it out, and I wanted right. to give the fans a, a great experience. I mean, when I charged admission of five dollars, and you know, for another ten bucks, you get everybody's autograph. You know, mm-hmm. what is that like in today's environment? <laughs> exactly. You're lucky, you could get you yeah. know the, the jobber of jobbers for ten dollars for an autograph. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we talked about we talked about that on here because. Uh, we had somebody actually literally call into the show and complain that The Undertaker is one of the most expensive autographs yeah. in the professional wrestling business. And I'm like, look, he's one of the most expensive because he don't do appearances. If you can find yeah, him appearing, if you can find him appearing near you, you're gonna pay three hundred dollars for an autograph or a picture. It's it's that's what you've got to pay. But yeah, that's uh those wrestling fan fests have become a big thing, but, uh, you know, in 1990, that was unheard of because nobody was doing it. Right. And, and 
the right. wrestlers protected the business so much that nothing like that had ever been fathomed because you didn't want to have that is, that is the, true. You didn't want to have the that heels and baby faces in the in the same environment. Right. I mean, uh, yeah, Bruno was a little bit different. Bruno didn't want to be in the room, uh, you know, mingling with, you know, guys like Ivan Koloff and Nikolai Volkov. And, you know, but Bruno was mm-hmm. hard, you know, it was old school in a lot of ways. And Ric Flair, uh, Ric Flair didn't know what to expect. And when I booked Rick, I didn't even think he was going to show up because he just signed with WWF. And my relationship with, with Vince McMahon was not a good one. Uh, but he was there. And Ric Flair was one who was really always protecting the business. He threw me out of a locker room once uh, because I had uh, he thought I was exposing the business on my radio show. But he did my convention in '91, and he got into the ring. We had a ring set up, and he thanked me for bringing him in. He had no idea how much he would enjoy it and interact with the fans. So it was kind of a community. It was it was a community of wrestling fans who were hardcore fans who all loved the business. And to get the opportunity to shake a hand of a legend and see them out of character and just see them as people. Uh, and probably the, the biggest uh, and, and most, uh, you know, the most beloved memories I have uh, were the after the autograph signings were over with when everyone would go hang out in the bar at the hotel. And, and you see Ric Flair there with Buddy Rogers and, and everyone just kind of having a great time. And Terry Funk holding court with, you know, fans drinking beers and uh, I mean, that was uh, it was a magical time. It really was. And, uh, you know, the business certainly was not as big as uh, it became after the Attitude area, uh, era and even today with all the fan conventions. It was something really mm-hmm. cool that was just starting. And I was really I'm really happy to this day that I uh, started those and I gave the fans the opportunity to to get up close and personal with some of these guys and, and women. Mm. Absolutely, because some of those, you go back and look at some of the lineups of them, and you're like, man, these would have been, you know, that would have been a thing to, uh, for wrestling fans to have attended. Because back then, wrestling fans didn't travel as much as what they do today. Today, wrestling fans will travel if there's a convention or something that has some, somebody that they really want to see. Uh, we've learned that with WrestleMania yeah. and everybody everybody yeah. coming in from the other countries for WrestleMania. Yep. Uh, yeah, but I had, I, had, I had my share. I had my share of uh, fans from all over the country. I mean, uh, you know, sure they you came did, from John. Australia. They came. They came from England. They came from a lot of different places. Um, yeah. So it wasn't certainly like it is today, where you plan your vacations around WrestleMania, and there's so much <laughs> right. going on during each WrestleMania week. <laughs> Uh, I mean, it's really, it's really crazy uh, when I see it today, and I'm like, wow, you know, this is this is great because, it, and I hate, you know, that we all had experience what we did this year with the virus, and uh, I'm hoping that next year it gets back to where it was because WrestleMania week is just a phenomenal week of of everything a wrestling fan hopes and dreams to. See, I mean, it's uh, you know, it's like a kid in a candy store. Oh, you, know, you get a chance. Absolutely. Right. Well, we, I know, John. We were we were start, we were covering. We were actually spending more time covering what the side shows were going to be around the Tampa area, and that on WrestleMania week, uh, as much if not more even than WrestleMania itself. And there were some. I mean, there were some major events planned. Um, uh. Effie's big gay brunch, um, the uh, for the culture 
show, which was going to be um, a uh, completely, uh, you know, um, black uh, talent oriented event and all sorts of things like that. And then all of a sudden, boom, this thing hits and all of, all of the, all of this, you know, good potential stuff that uh, people were probably, you know, had spent big amounts of money to get tickets for. It's all wiped out. And that's gone. Yeah, like, oh. like I was saying, like, like I was saying about one of my friends, she finally gets to go to a WrestleMania. She has dialysis three times a week, and she was going to be traveling from uh, Vermont, well, upstate New York to Florida. She had accommodations. She had her dialysis chair all set up, everything ready to go, and gets ripped out from underneath her. Like, my heart hurts, you know? Yeah. It hurts. And it's but even. It happens. It's. This is one of the strangest times the professional wrestling business has ever seen, uh, bar none. I'm hoping we're hoping that some kind of normalcy can be returned to at some point in the near future, but it's all up in the air right now, and it, it, it does suck. Um, but you do have you do have still some great wrestling going on, um, even be it out of an empty arena now. Um, John, you got to work with Dusty Rhodes. How influential was a guy like Dusty Rhodes to your career? Well, I mean, Dusty, I really didn't know that well. I mean, I got to know Dusty a little bit when I did the radio show. Uh, When I I wrestled Dusty, when I worked against Dusty, uh, I didn't have any training. I didn't – I bullshitted my way into the ring, basically. (laughs) I knew some – you know, I I wanted to see what it was like. I mean – Right. And, uh, and and I should have had the training, you know, and I, they asked me, you know, where have you worked? I said, I worked down south. Okay. Because right, I knew the Grand Wizard of Wrestling. He set me up. Uh, Gorilla Monsoon was the booker at the TV tapings. And, you know, he asked me, heel or baby? I said, I'll be a heel. And then he uh, then he put me in, uh, in with uh, Dusty. I didn't know what I was doing. Uh, I stiffed him. I hit, I hit him, you know, with a stiff punch uh, in the beginning of the match. And and he threw him. I was a handicap match with me and this guy Silvana Sousa against Dusty, and he, and he, he basically whispered in my ear, "I got to teach you a lesson." And you know his bion- bionic elbows on my head uh, were were kind of like uh, real, and uh, and I was so dazed and didn't know what I was doing. And then he finally, uh, I couldn't even go with a body slam. He just picked me up like dead weight and threw me on Silvana Sousa after you know when we were supposed to end the match, and he sat on my head to pin me. So. <laughs> uh, oh my God. So I mean, it was I oh got what I deserved, you know, and I, I did it really because I I wrote a story about it in Ring Magazine uh, about how a reporter got into the ring. Uh, so uh, and and the ironic yeah. part of it, the ironic part of it is was that you know three weeks later, I go take my regular position at ringside at Madison Square Garden when uh, Billy Graham, uh, the night he was losing the title of Bobby Backlund. And I get mm-hmm. called uh, before the matches start. I was like, all right, you know, you have to come with us. And and I was told that I couldn't shoot at ringside anymore because I was just on their I was just on their TV tapings and uh, as a wrestler. So I had I had jobbed myself out of a out of a position out of a position as a photographer <laughs> just by going up to the ring. So. Oh no! That wasn't the, that wasn't that wasn't the brightest thing I ever did in my life. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, at that point, 
are going, I should have put a hood on. <laughs> yeah, you know, I did what I did what I did, and I wasn't I wasn't intending on having a career in pro wrestling, and uh, I was segueing out of it anyway. So uh, I was graduating college. I was only 21, and I'd been in the wow, business wow. for six years. I was, you know, I, I started as 14 year old kid, and uh, with Blassie's Fan Club, and then I was a ringside photographer at the age of 16. Uh, so uh, and so after all of that happened, I wow. was still I was just turning. I wrestled on January 10th, 1978. It was a few weeks shy of my 21st birthday. So um, I did a lot uh-huh. in the business, uh, and I finally got out of it, you know, and then I returned, uh, you know, 10 years later to do the radio show. Mm. Um, now, you are back with another great radio show that everybody can listen to each and every week. It's Pro Wrestling Spotlight Then and Now. Uh, I believe right now you're in the year 1990, reviewing some of the stuff from the year 1990. Um, yeah, really, really ironic. I mean, on this, I mean, I do the pro wrestling spotlight then and now with Brian Last, and we go back 30 years because I saved every single one of the radio shows, uh, so they're all on tape. Uh, and today, and today, I uploaded the episode. I up, up, uploaded the episode from uh, March 25th, 1990, just today. Uh, and that was the day that superstar Billy Graham came on my show for an hour uh, to talk about how steroids had messed him up and, and, and how 90% of the guys in the business were on steroids. So that was, uh, you know, a real newsworthy show. But every week we go over what happened 30 years ago. I do that with Brian Lass at pwspod.com. And I also have relaunched Pro Wrestling Spotlight Live every Saturday on Facebook Live. Uh, at John Arezzi's Matt Memories. Uh, this past Saturday, I had Mick Foley on with me, with Evan and Jason from Dark Side of the Ring to nice. talk about Herb Abram. And this Saturday, I have the Power Twins and Sunny Beach, who also were UWF uh, wrestlers, so we're going we're gonna to talk about that. And it's, uh, it's just something I'm, I'm enjoying doing. Uh, and, this, you know, I, I, I'm a dinosaur these days. I'm a historian, and, you know, I have a, a book that will be coming out next April, uh, so I mean mm. everything uh, that I, that I've done in my life. Um, oh wow! Uh, from country from country music uh, to pro wrestling to working in baseball is coming out from ECW Press, and that'll be released next spring. Uh, so uh, I'm building up this audience now with Twitter followers, Instagram followers, Facebook followers, uh, and nice. uh, the book is going to be uh, a real interesting look at a dude who had two different names. When I left the wrestling business, I changed my name in 1996 to John Alexander and and went into the country music business. Uh, And uh, and a lot of people thought I died or went into witness protection. Uh, And then I just kind of reemerged, you know, less than two years ago. uh, And uh, people thought I, like, you're what? You're back, you know? And, and, And people remembered me. And all of a sudden, yeah. now I'm back in the bubble, as they say. But I'm enjoying it. Uh, I'm not. I'm not a current, uh, you know, aficionado of the product today. I mean, uh, I, I just uh, it's a different era for me. I'd rather talk about things from years ago because that's when I really enjoyed it. The business has changed so much, and in today's environment, I can't keep up with the product today, nor that I really want to. It's not what I grew up with. It's not what I had a passion for. But the boys today, the wrestlers today, are incredible athletes. I'll be back. I gotta go. I gotta go screen a call, and I do believe I know who it is. I hope I know who it is, and I hope it's who I think it is. He. I'll be back in about. 20 there you minutes. go. 
There you go. Um, sorry about so that. So anyway, John. I mean, I have a pretty long, no, no problem. I have a long history, and uh, and that's why even doing podcasts like this, it's like uh, to reminisce a little bit and kind of add to whatever I can add to whatever the discussion may be. I'll, I'll do my very best, you know. And mm-hmm. um, now, well, let's uh, hopefully that we know who this is, uh, and yeah, we'll let is. both of you talk. We'll let both of you talk about uh, Mr. Herb Abrams. But next week, they're going to be talking about the Road Warriors. Uh, you reviewed probably some of the biggest Road Warriors matches uh, on your program from the old NWA days and the early WCW days. Talk to us about what a tag team like the Road Warriors meant to the wrestling business back in that time. Well, I mean, they were huge. They came out uh, and they looked different. They were you know the face paint and you know the 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 bodies that they had and the and the brutal nature of what they did and they went over and they were just kind of they were a landmark uh, in in what wrestling was uh, back then the road warriors were certainly uh you know beloved uh in territories and uh you know certain hall of famers but they were you know they were they were, they changed uh, in a way they kind of changed the game a little bit in the tag team wrestling well, there's one guy that has told me multiple times he's glad he didn't have to uh, work on a bigger scale with Hawk and Animal. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the program, B. Brian Blair. Yes, my, my best friend. My best friend uh, who has me on speed dial. Good evening, Mr. B. Brian Blair. Oh, <laughs> uh, good evening, Katie. You know, uh, <laughs> it's so good talking to you. Again. It's so good listening to John. But, you know, when I talk to Katie, you know, I, I, I start uh, – uh, just uh, my mind wanders, and I, it shouldn't happen. So yeah, anyway, it's good to be on the show, and it's good to listen to John's awesome commentary on some serious stuff, and he's so right on. Oh, yeah. uh, he is spot on. I'm enjoying the, it. Uh, like, like I said, uh, you told me multiple times you're glad you didn't have to get in the ring too many times with Hawk and Animal. Yeah, you know, I mean, they they became wonderful friends, um, and you know, when Hawk passed, it was just the, the saddest thing, you know, to be at his funeral and to, to see his wife and um, his friends and all the people that loved him. And, you know, Joe and I are, are great buddies. We see each other on the road all the time, at least up until the COVID-19. Uh, put a little wrench in it, but hopefully that'll soon be over. And, uh, yeah, I am glad that I didn't work with them um, because um, – First off, in the beginning, they were dangerous. Right. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't have mind working with them uh, as they progressed and they, and they really understood the business and they got to be, you know, actually tremendous workers and they respected, you know, the people that, um, uh, you know, respected them and, and people that they knew had, uh, you know, earned their way in the business and, and they um, – you know, they dance with them just like they should dance. So it's, it would have been no problem. But in the early days, when they first came into Atlanta, uh-uh. No way. <laughs> 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 Brian is saying he didn't have a death wish. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, got a death wish. Nope. Not happening. <laughs> well, no. you guys talked about it. Uh, obviously, this is not a live uh, thing that happened Tuesday night, but you guys talked about it. Herb Abrams, the UWF, 
it was probably uh, one of the most mind-blowing things for me to sit back and watch and go, uh, wow, um, you know, this is, you just can't believe that something like this in the wrestling business happened. But then you get, then again, you think back and look at the history of the wrestling business and stuff like this happened all the time. Well, geez, I don't know if something like Herb Abrams happened all the time. <laughs> I would no, you know, you're right about that, John. You're right about that. <laughs> oh, my gosh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was, you know, I was surprised, you know, uh, guys like uh, like John and uh, Lenny, um, Lenny uh, Drudge. How do you say Lenny's last name? Drudge? Uh, Dude? The, uh, the producer from NBC that came with Herb. I just called him Lenny. Great guy. As a matter of fact, I need to call him, and if, John, if you have his number or something, maybe after the show, you could text it to me. Uh, him and Sonny I, Beach, I, never really I remember. I never really communicated with him. You never communicated with him? Okay. Not with Lenny, um, no. It was always straight with her. Yeah. You know, Herb, uh, Herb was uh, just such an interesting character. Um, you know, I remember when uh, we first went to Reseda, California, and you know, he was gathering talent. And, uh, he came to John's uh, show and got a lot of talent to <clears throat> one of the first uh, ever, like, Comic-Con type uh, wrestling uh, uh, scenarios where everybody's signing autographs and selling their wares. But, um, you know, Herb uh, wanted to be uh, a Vince McMahon, and, um, you know, he went from uh, a huge wrestling fan who sold clothes to, um, you know, the cocaine cowboy, as was depicted in uh, Dark Side of the Ring. And uh, I have uh, many miles and many smiles with Herb, and um, he was he was always good to me. You know, he never – there was a couple times I had to chase my money, but uh, he always paid me. And, and one of the reasons he always paid me because – None of the other guys wouldn't have paid if I wouldn't have got him the three million bucks that I got him to keep the thing for. Wow! Damn. Oh, a lot of money, Brian. That. Tell us, mm-hmm. tell us about that, Brian, because that uh, obviously uh, hit the cutting room floor from Tuesday's episode. Um, well, I tell you, I, t- I tell you what, honestly, um, I'm just gonna leave it right there because I've been paid quite a bit of money to. Um, mm-hmm. Talk, talk about a few things uh, on uh, on some competent one of your competitors. Okay. Uh, so I'll just leave it like that. Um, so I've got to save a, a few of the things, and that was one of them that he asked me. He called me just a little while ago, and he, when I told him I was doing a podcast, he said, "Please, please, please don't. You know, I want I want you to talk about that on my show and nobody else." And you know, so I, I said, "Okay." But uh, her. Okay. Herb, Herb, we we met at a, a restaurant called Donatello's, um, and um, um, Ed Barbara, a friend of mine, Ed Barbara, was uh, a really good guy that had lots of connections. And uh, at the time, I owned uh, many Gold's, uh, well, uh, seven. I owned four Gold's gems and leased uh, three other ones out. So I was hopping and going to Japan and staying busy like I always do, and. Um, uh, and might her, I say you look her, her, you look damn good doing it. Oh, oh, thank you, Katie. Let's not talk right now, like that on the radio. <laughs> uh, but anyway, um, <laughs> Herbie was uh, Herbie was a character. You know, I mean, um, everything you saw on Dark Side of the Ring was true and more. I mean, golly, there just was not 
enough prostitutes in the world for him. There was not enough cocaine in the world for him. There was not enough joy in the world for him. I, I don't know. You know, being having his cowboy boots on, being the boss, having his cocaine and hookers, that's what made Herbie happy. And yeah. um, uh, ultimately, B, that was his demise. B, I was saying to somebody today, uh, I've never seen as much cocaine as they were showing on Dark Side. The only other place I've ever seen that much cocaine is in the movie Scarface. I mean, the guy <laughs> even pulled a Scarface and put his face right in it. And, you know, all I was just waiting to say hello to me, you know, to my little friends, you know. That's all I was waiting yeah. for. But it was like, holy booger sugar, Batman. Like, yeah, I, wow. I, 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 I think, uh, I don't know, if I, I forget if it was on the air or not, but I, I remember uh, just so vividly going to his hotel room um, on the uh, <laughs> causeway here, and that's the causeway runs between uh, Hillsborough yeah. County and Pinellas County in Tampa, separates uh-huh. Tampa and St. Petersburg, Clearwater. And um, Herb owed me some money, so I went to his hotel room, knocked on the door, and uh, these two hookers answered the door, two naked girls. I don't know. I, I, was, I yeah. just automatically knew they were hookers because of Herbie. And, you know, they answered the door. And, it, you know, it's not like I hadn't seen a naked girl before. But, um, uh, you know, they're in their high heels. And um, one of them had fishnet uh, pantyhose on. And uh, that's all I kind of remember. The, the main focal point was seeing Herbie on the bed and he had his long black socks on that went almost up to his knees and he's stock naked. And on both sides of the beds are as like, I don't know how much it is, but like, you know, an ounce of cocaine on each side. Um, oh, yeah. And, and I said to Herb, I, I just, you know, he said, you know, he's trying to egg me on trying to, I said, no way, Herbie, you know me better than that. And, um, cause I, I just don't go there. That's just the way it is. Everybody, right. everybody that's ever traveled with me, there's nobody that can tell. There's no wrestler in the world that can say they went to a strip club with me, or ever uh-huh. saw me with a prostitute. And that's well, a fact. Going to, because going to the strippers just, is okay. Going to the strippers yeah, it's okay, is okay, but it's just not my thing, you know. I mean, well, I, it's not like I haven't been to a strip club. I, I, I actually yeah. bartended when I was 17 years old in a place that's called the Mons Venus right now in Tampa. Uh, which is famous all over the world for being the number one uh, hooker bar in the nation. But, um, you know, uh, I had to do what I had to do. I was raised very humbly, and um, I was bartending when I was 17 years old. And that'll be in my <coughs> autobiography that'll be out <coughs> towards yeah. the end of the year. But um, uh, Herb was just such a character. So, uh, I mean, uh, you know, Herb saying, come on, come on. I said, no, 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 man. And so all of a sudden he says, okay, girls, you got to go. And so they go into the bathroom, and I said, Herb, come on, man. I, I just need my money. I got to get going. Da, 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 da. And uh, he's saying, okay, okay, let me pay him. Let me pay him, and uh, I, I'll take care of everything. I said, okay. So I'm, I sit in the chair, and there's a little chair on the side. And so I'm sitting there, and golly, to see Herb naked is a sight to behold. I mean, oh. you don't want to trust me. But, uh, you know, he's, don't, he's got okay, you're balls like a, there. He's got balls like a giant oh, bull and uh, – Hang down halfway to his knees, and uh, uh, it's it's too much. I love you. I love you, B. I love you, B. Yeah, guys. So so anyway, um, he uh, he calls the girls and they're saying we we need our money. We need our money. He says okay, okay. So um, they start. uh, um, He's he's writing them a check, 
And apparently they had already agreed to take a check because there was no argument. Like I saw in the show, there was an argument at one time with one of the girls about taking a check or whatever. But Herbie is, is, was a really smooth talker, as John can attest, and he was just such an affable guy. But uh, he writes the girls $2,000 a piece. And I'm freaking yeah. out. And I God, 2000 bucks, <laughs> 2000 bucks a piece? What did they do for $2,000? It's going to last longer than 10 minutes. Gee, many Christmas. Um, they they, they okay, can't. They, all right. And if people don't know much about guys on Coke. It can go either way. Either you can't get it up or you're going all night. Okay? And 2000 bucks for an escort? They don't got to do much, but stand there and look pretty half the time. Uh, okay, I guess. I don't know, Katie, but thanks I, for I've the information. I, well, I, I, information has been passed on to me, too. You know, <laughs> I'm sure you could teach me a lot more things, Katie. But anyway. Oh, yes, Carly, yes, you could. <laughs> oh, honey. I know, I, I know this is not a PG-rated show. So, um, no, no, it's not. The, okay, so uh, the, uh, the girls take the checks, and I'm just watching all this stuff happen from my chair. And uh, I remember the one girl going over and taking, like, I can't believe how much cocaine this girl snorted at one time. She took this $100 bill that Herb had there, and one of the girls started to take the $100 bill, and Herb caught her. You know, right away, he says, oh, God damn it, I'm paying you $2,000. And so anyway, um, she put the $100 back, and they take the checks, and they, they exit and so Herb and I, of course, have our little, you know, good guy, bad guy kind of conversation. I'm trying to be the good guy, and he's not, doesn't want to even hear it. And he goes, wait a minute, B, wait a minute. So as, as I'm waiting a minute, he picks up the phone, and he calls the bank, and he cancels the checks. So now these girls got two hot checks. And, um, oh, my God. Uh, you know, he, he was uh, – he uh, – I guess this was around uh, two o'clock in the afternoon or so, and you know he checked out and went to another hotel right down the street after that. So he, he knew exactly how to manipulate the girls, what he was doing. You know, he just uh, uh, I don't think he mm-hmm. blew a whole lot of. I mean, he he might have blew a lot of money on on hookers, but um, I, I know he burnt a lot of them. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. with, with, with more than check, likely. So. Yeah. Mm. Anyway, um, uh, he was truly the cocaine cowboy. Yeah. Wow. Now, J- John, they talked about uh, some tables and some things being wrecked uh, when he launched the UWF at your convention. Uh, can you attest to that? Was there damage done to property? Uh, there was a table that was flipped over uh, where uh, uh, Dan Spivey and, and Brian were there and the that was the very first press conference from the UWF, and I, I was running a convention. I don't even know if I was, uh, you know, I, there was nothing destroyed other than whatever a table might have been <laughs> cracked or broken, but there wasn't a lot of damage in that in that hotel suite. Okay. Mm. Yeah. But yeah. that was, like, bizarre to me. I didn't, you know, I, Herb came, and, you know, I was introduced to him by a, a, a really dear friend at the time, George Ann Macropolis, who had uh, said oh, that the guy was starting a, what a sweet, sweet woman. I'm so yeah, glad you what brought a, up her yeah, name. And, and, and she uh, said ahead, Bruno bro. was involved, and I reached out to Bruno, and, and then, you know, I brought. I said, Herb, yeah, go ahead. You know, go ahead and set up and do a press conference. I didn't know the guy from Adam. 
And then uh, that press conference really uh, has been <laughs> talked about now 30 years later. Uh, and uh, Brian was a part of it. And Dan Spivey was there. And Herb was there. And Herb was Herb. You know, Herb was Herb. But that's where he met Mick Foley. And that's where he met uh, Sonny Beach and the Power Twins and so many others, uh, you know, that he eventually started using when uh, they started their television tapings. Wow. Now, one of the guys that uh, they did not, that they said that uh, the UWF used, but we don't hear a lot about, uh, we heard about him in the Brawl for All episode, of course, because of the injuries that he sustained during that. But uh, B and John, you guys knew this guy probably better than uh, Steve or I knew him myself. I got to talk to him on the phone a couple times. Dr. Death Steve Williams. Talk to us about what this guy was like for the injuries of the Brawl for All. Well, uh, you want to go first, John, or you want me to? Uh, John's going to have to call back. Something We had a connection yep. oh. issue. Okay. Well, um, Steve Williams had a tremendous reputation. You know, he came out of um, Oklahoma, and not only was he a tremendous uh uh, football player, he was a tremendous amateur wrestler, and um, the guy was a stud, a bona fide stud. And Jim Ross recruited him and, and um, you know, got him into business. And, um, you know, to me, the brawl for all was the stupidest thing that's ever happened in, in their business. But, um, you know, anybody can be a Monday morning quarterback. Um, right. It's, uh, uh, you know, it's, it, but it would have never made sense to me, you know, from from the very beginning. Um it was just, uh, it was ridiculous, you know, to, well, I mean, everybody's seen it, so I don't really need to rehash that, but, um, um, you know, Steve was, Steve was a very nice guy, uh, uh, Steve liked you, he liked you, if he didn't like you, you, you know, you didn't want to be around him, because, uh, you know, Steve was a legitimate, a legitimate tough guy, you know, Taking wrestlers out of their element and putting boxing gloves on them, and because somebody knocks them out, doesn't mean they're a, not a tough guy. Because you're not really fighting them like a real fight, you know, or anything. Else. Right. And and that's where these guys are all badass. I mean, there's there's very few sissies in the world of professional wrestling. And you know, um, yeah. Bart Bart Gunn was was. You know he was a he was a badass son of a gun. There's no doubt about it. But uh, you know he had also had better boxing skills than anybody um, until uh, obviously he met Butterbean. But uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you just uh, again you know if you take a boxer and uh, tell him to go wrestle a wrestler, he, you know he's not going to win. Just you know if you're in the same caliber and uh, you know if you're a pro, you're a pro and. Uh, you know, a professional boxer is not going to be a professional wrestler that knows what they're doing. That you know really knows how to fight, shoot, whatever, uh, wrestle. Um, I'm, I'm not talking about working. I'm talking about guys. There's a lot of guys that know how to break your arm in two seconds, and um, uh, they know how to pull your eyeball out. You know, just uh, Ouch. how to bite your nose off. And um, you know, I've Damn. seen ears bit off. I've seen. Uh, I bit somebody's lip off one time, Matt Bourne. Ow! Uh, you know, when when you get in a fight, you get in a fight, and uh, there's no rules in a in a fight, and that's just yep. the way it is. But um, you know, uh, Steve was taken out of his element, and that that really hurt him from there. And when he came to uh, UWF, you know, 
he really wasn't the same uh, Doctor Death as he was when he when he was in the uh, WWF. Mm-hmm. Or probably even NWA. And uh, John is back with us. So, uh, John, we're actually uh, we're talking about uh, Steve Williams here and uh, what uh, you know, what he what it, what he was uh, like. Well, when when he came there, which of course was uh, post uh, brawl for all, and the injury that really kind of uh, messed up his career. Yeah, as I was saying, I I got cut off, but I didn't know Steve very well. Sorry I knew about his reputation. I knew uh, you know that he was gonna do big things in the WWF. I think that's why they brought him in. But then the brawl for all happened, and uh, that kind of went south, and he had that injury, but. Um, uh, I, I I really didn't know Steve. I just knew about him from reputation. He was on my radio show a couple of times uh, when I met him at uh, some w, uh, NWA WCW shows. But um, uh, I was always kind of in awe of him because uh, everybody seemed to say that's a legit tough guy right there. You know, <laughs> don't mess yeah. with him. And and uh, his reputation always preceded himself. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Now, you know, because a lot, because a lot of the guys now, Brian, um, I'll, I'll be honest. And I was a big UWF watcher at the time. I had, I had, I will admit, I had forgotten that you were in there. Um, now you would come, of course, uh, fresh off of WWF, uh, TV at the time. Um, any particular reason why Jim didn't join you on that? Did he just not he feel like it was the, you know, Thing for him to do, or what was it? I was wondering that myself. Well, well actually, Jim was still with uh, Vince. You know, Jim hung around and stayed with Vince and got jobbed out. Vince and Jimmy never got along, and it was, you know, I, I didn't even know until we did a podcast about a year ago uh, that Jimmy sued Vince before we were ever the Killer Bees, and he won. Uh, for likelihood of confusion or whatever. He, anyway, he, I guess Vince made dolls of, or action figures of, uh, mm-hmm. of him and, uh, before, while he was still in the AWA, and, of him and Greg. Mm. Whatever, and so they sued him, and uh, uh, they prevailed, Greg and Jim. So... Uh, you know, actually, in 1984, when you saw Dr. D, uh, if you saw that episode of Dark Side of the Ring, when Dr. D right. got, uh, slapped Stossel, uh, John Stossel, mm-hmm. you know, I was on my way to Florida, and I had a deal worked out, and I was going to Florida to win the Florida heavyweight title, which I did, and then I was supposed to come back um, and work for the Intercontinental t- title. So, um uh, I was still the uh, Florida heavyweight champion, and uh, I got a call from Hulkster. He said, "Hey, Vince, creating Vince is creating a tag team division, and he and he asked, uh, you know, he he mentioned you and um, said that he was bringing you back, and I suggested that you team up with Jim uh, Brunzel. and um, you know, I said." Uh, he asked me if I knew Jim Brunzel. I said, yeah, I you know, remember Jimmy. I've never met Jimmy, but I know him from the magazines and from his reputation and all that kind of stuff. And he said, well, mm-hmm. you know, he really talked me into the tag team thing. So Terry did. Um, so I said, great, you know, let me drop the scrap, do what I got to do here. 
And um, so I remember coming back, and the WWF was just so big on my mind at the time. And we were drawing huge crowds. As a matter of fact, the, the only shot that I've ever missed, um, other than if I was injured, uh, was in Fort Myers when I was uh, supposed to wrestle uh, Ravishing Rick Rude for the Florida Heavyweight title. And um, I got a flat tire. And so we didn't have cell phones. So I had to go to the uh, Mm -hmm. uh, payphone that was right off the interstate. I walked quite a while, got to the payphone. I called the building, finally got a hold of Mike Graham, told him what happened. And he said, look, Brian, there's more people outside than there are inside. You've got to get here no matter what. And uh, I said, I'll come get you right now. I said, no, 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 I got, uh, I got somebody coming out. I'm going get, to get my tire fixed, tire changed, and uh, I'll be there. And um, I really didn't want to go. I just, for some reason, I, I just had, you know, divisions of grandeur of the, the WWF were calling me. And because um, this was after WrestleMania 1 now. And um, so I, uh, I wound up getting in my car after the tire was fixed. I started to go head down because I knew it was a sold-out house. I wanted to do the right thing. And for some stupid reason, I turned around and went home and um, left the next uh, two days later for uh, WWF. And Mike Mike was mad at me for like two years over that. Mike Graham. Wow. Finally, he forgave me. Wow. You did what you thought was right. You did what you, what you thought was right at the time. Yeah, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty again. I should have done the shot, and um, then I could yeah. say that I never missed a shot. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> you, know, the show, you know, which is a, which is a pretty big deal when you have you know over five thousand wrestling matches. Uh, for, right. You know, it's it's, uh, it's it's funny when I see guys in the business now. Sometimes, uh, you know, I'll say. Uh, you know, you've been working for a while. Um, yeah, I've been working for 10 years. How many matches have you had? Oh, five. 25. <laughs> oh, my God, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, and they, uh, they call themselves veterans. I want to take a minute uh, to re-familiarize our fans about who our hosts are and uh, kind of remind B. Brian Blair who uh, our hosts are. And I uh, give John Arezzi a kind of a background of where this show kind of started. Uh, my name is Sean David. I am the, what I believe is the youngest man in Illinois to ever produce a wrestling show at the age of 18 under the guidance of the late great Ed Schumann and NWA Midwest. Um, I uh, wrestled for quite a few years. I promoted, been doing this for about 18 years. We founded this show about uh, seven years ago, and uh, we've had a lot of fun. And I, uh, I love having somebody like uh, John Resby on here that I can go back and talk classic footage with because I was born in 1990. I'm only 29. I'll be just turned 29. Um, I have. I like going I have back. Jeans. I have jeans that are older than you. I swear. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you. I was going to say my oldest son is, is 27. <laughs> um, I like going my back and watching 29. some of the. I like going back and watching some of the classic footage a lot more than what I can get into today's product. Um, Even though some of the 1990s stuff, uh, you know, I'm a nineties kid. The undertaker was the greatest thing in the world to me. 
Um, yes, yes, he was. Still, a great still, guy. still is. Um, so uh, I work with Steve Kane. Uh, Steve and I are in Illinois. We promote shows together here in uh, throughout Illinois. And uh, I'll let Steve tell everybody how long he's been around and kind of where he got his background. Yeah, well, I'm yeah, I'm definitely the uh, grizzled old timer here. In fact, uh, actually, uh, John and I are in the, the uh, same age bracket. Uh, John, I I first discovered wrestling with uh, Dick the Bruiser in uh, 1971. I, I don't you I, lie. I don't you lie. I, you are from the match where Jesus wrestled Methuselah. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, we, we, have, we have that carved into stone somewhere, too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Bill after Bill after took pictures on a stone. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He chiseled oh, it out. God. Yeah. Right. And uh, but I also graduated from college in '79. Um, I started I started in the '80s, um, mid mid '80s. I was uh, trained uh, at uh, Windy City Pro Wrestling. Um, my main tra- my main trainer was. Uh, Dan Burnett, aka Sonny Rogers, who was a uh, was uh, known primarily as a uh, job guy for uh, Vern Gagne, and that mm. uh, which real which I mean, he was so much better sometimes than. Well, in fact, I will say this right now: he was a better he was a better worker than half the guys he was putting over at the time, and that. But you know, they just. He never he never got his shot, at least not in the big time. And that I mean now the one the one thing that uh, he holds to this day is he is one of the few you know non big name guys to ever beat Stone Cold Steve Austin, and he beat him on TV. Um, but but, uh, I've been but I I spent my first ten years in uh, Windy City. Um, I left in about 2000. I started on my own. Um, in fact, it's in fact it's very funny because um, when the late when in uh, about mid 99, I was starting to think about breaking away from Windy City and uh, you know gave my own group. I was I was thinking on two different names. Um, the one that I wound up going with was UWA, but I was also thinking of reviving the UWF name. And my uh, business partner at the time said, no, let's, let's not, let's not take what was already used. Let's, let's make something new and that. So I, so I didn't do that. Um, But uh, I, but I went, I've been around uh, the Midwest independence. I've, uh, I've worked a little bit out on the West coast. Um, So, I've been around. I've uh, I've worked. I've worked with some really big names. Um, Tatanka, Coco Beware, the Road Warriors. Uh, John, they're they're real good friends of mine. Uh, in fact, uh, I in fact I'm scared. I'm gonna. They're gonna. These two are gonna have to talk me off the ledge next week uh, when that episode airs Probably. because I still because I still remember coming home from Milwaukee. The Day that Mike passed away to uh, get a voice, have a voicemail on my answering machine telling me that uh, he was gone and that. And 
we used to spend a lot of time in the back and we talk about our dads and that he really missed his. So he missed his dad so much. And that I will yeah. tell this short little quick story. Uh, because no, this you're is not ne- telling nothing. Yes, I am. <laughs> no. am. Am I purple? No. Do I do I like it's smell me. funny or something? Like, it's, oh, let me talk, let me tell this about let me tell this about Hawk real quick, <laughs> and then we'll move to Katie. Hawk was the reason I got into the wrestling business. Hawk was in uh, my hometown in 2002, and uh, it's funny. There was there's a high rise where uh, some of my dad's friends lived. And right across the street was the venue that the wrestling show was at. So I went over there to try to find out what all the commotion was at like age 11. And they're like, yeah, Road Warrior Hawk's in town. So one of them gave me a ride down to the comic book store, which was about two blocks away. And I went down and I met Hawk. And I said, it's an honor to meet you, sir. I'm a big fan. And I wish I could see the show tonight, but I'm, gonna, I'm not going to be able to attend. And instantaneously, Mike pulled out two tickets. And it floored me. I had never, here's, here's a big superstar that, you know, larger than life. He's got the shoulder pads with the spikes. He's a badass. And he doesn't know me from anybody, but he pulls out two tickets for that event that night and says, be, be there. And wow. a year later, when Mike came back with, Haw, uh, with Animal, I remember we did lunch, and it was you couldn't have asked for a more humble man because this guy took the time to get to know a child that he didn't know from his own or anything in a town that he was never in before and made an impact so great on that child's life that that child is still in the wrestling business today. Um, the next week's episode is going to be very hard for me to watch. I know he had his demons, uh, I've heard the stories throughout the years about him and his demons, but I believe that um, I believe that Mike was on the right path, and I think he left us all too soon. Um, it's very, very. Uh, I remember when I found out. I actually, I, I didn't. I wasn't in the business uh, quite like that at the time. Uh, there was a message board, and I logged on that day to look and see what was going on, and there was the message that Hawk had passed away and it was it, I, I I don't I, my mom says she'll never forget the scream that came out of me when he was gone um, okay Katie now you can um, speak because I need a minute I'm, <laughs> oh yeah I get to speak but um, I'm also when I'm done speaking I'm bringing on Bernadette because I know that she wants to talk to the boys and yeah she's been waiting a long time so I'll let her on in a, in a couple of seconds. Me, I'm known as the fan's perspective. I'm also known as the comic relief. I'm also known as the only female voice on this show that makes this show not a bag of dicks. I myself, I've, I've loved wrestling since I was about five. Um, but honestly, my, my first remembered matches have got to be uh, matches like with uh, Tito Santana and Randy Savage when Randy Savage took the IC title. Um, the first time I saw Hulk Hogan when he was still the Incredible Hulk coming down in, in a blue silk cape with hair. And, um, you know, and of course, one of my first remembered tag teams has got to be the Killer Bees. So, yes, I've always, always loved the Killer Bees, and B. Brian Blair has always been a piece of my heart. So, he knows that. But you know what? I've got Bernadette here, and I'm going to let her on. Bernadette! 
Hello. All right, we got to find that echo, guys. Yeah. That ain't ain't No. Don't worry about it. Ignore it. It's not there. It's gone. Okay. (laughs) Bernadette lives downstairs for me. Bernadette gets me all my wrestling tickets. I love Bernadette. All right, Bernadette, it's your time. (laughs) Actually, I'm the one. It's funny because all this uh, murder hornet talk, there's a bunch of murder hornet uh, memes going around. And one of them mm-hmm. happens to be says that the murder hornets wouldn't last against the killer bees. So, of course, yeah. I had to tag B. Brian Blair in that um, and uh, make sure that and he send knew. it to me. Um, yeah, well, I, I, well, Rob sent it to Ron Hutchison and asked Ron to tag B. Brian, but uh, I ended up doing it first. <laughs> Ah, oh, now I know where that came from. Humorous. Yeah, um, and, it, and I didn't get tagged in it. Mm-hmm. I know how it is. I see it. Mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> no, because Rob asked for Brian Blair to get tagged in it. You were part of the. I'm community. going to find it. <laughs> that's that's okay. I'm on I'm on B's I'm on B's Facebook too. So I can look. Uh, <laughs> 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 Take it up, I Rob. saw it on Twitter. I gotta tell you, uh, I have been fascinated by all of these. Uh, Dark Side of the Ring uh, episodes. First off, there a lot of them are filmed using friends of mine up here in uh, Ontario. A lot of them are uh, a lot of Ontario indie guys, and uh, so it's been really interesting watching uh, these stories that I remember hearing parts of. Obviously, you know, as a kid growing up, because um, I'm turning 45 in a month, not even now. Holy crap! Um, you know, like yeah. Uh, you know, Bru- you know, Bruiser Brody was one of my favorites, and uh, I was, you know, I was really affected by his passing. Um, his was one of the first ones I remember, but the first one that really super affected me was Andre's, and that's only because Andre was the first celebrity death that affected me because he was the first celebrity yeah. that I met that passed away, if that makes sense. Um, so his really affected mm-hmm. me that way, and. Um, it's funny that we're talking about Dark Side of the Ring, and of course, it's happening to be Owen Hart's birthday, and Owen Hart's uh, episode is coming up soon, so that should be interesting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so, of course, uh, everybody and- has their opinions on it, and of course, everybody has heard all the different, you know, theories and speculations and blah, 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 and obviously, you know, there's always, you know, when it ever it comes to his birthday or his angel day or anything like that, people start talking Oh, how he should be in the Hall of Fame, and why is Martha doing this and that and the other? And I will always have that discussion until he eventually gets into the Hall of Fame. Um, so it's ah, oh, these the, uh, there's so many that uh, that need to be covered, and and you guys touched on it earlier, talking about the the Ring Voice scandal, and um, I I do vividly remember. I can't remember if I read it in the uh, the one of the books. Uh, one of the, you know, one of the, the, the tell-all books or right. in some shoot interviews. But, yeah, there was the one the, the one female referee you touched on. Vince brought her into the limo and unzipped his pants, and I believe the sentence was, you know what you got to do to keep your job. I believe that wow. was the sentence. I believe that <laughs> was conveyed. And I was like, hot damn, what did I just read? Um, so, yeah, I mean, they could even do one on, on Davy Boy. Um, because, I mean, every one of the hearts has a, a crazy story, to be honest. Um, as, as amazing a family as they are, there is a lot of 
scandal and a lot of strife and a lot of um, uh, dissension. I mean, they're the first to defend each other, but they're also the first ones to fight each other. Um, so, you know, the way, the way that his kind of uh, downward spiral happens would make an interesting episode of Dark Side as well. And the, I, I, I would love to see that, to be honest. The one that I want to see, and I'm not sure if he's Canadian, you will, Katie, will remind me, but I definitely want to see one on Brian Pillman. Uh, yes, he's not Canadian. Yeah, he's not he's Canadian. Not however, however, he's an honorary Canadian, and we love him. And absolutely, he is definitely up yeah. there. Um, I mean, they did the Benoit one. Of course, they could do an Eddie Guerrero one. I mean, there's so many yes. we could like very easily just touch on. Um, but honestly, Mula. Okay, I got to tell you, the Mula one. My mind, like I, I was like, holy crap! This is this is just bizarre land. And to see her daughter, her daughter broke my heart. I was like, oh, my God. Like They barely touched on anything. Oh, my Lanta. Her daughter, you know, sitting on the bench that her mother built for her to sit on to come and visit her. I was like, oh. Yeah. Like, I was like, oh. Um, (laughs) Real quick, don't mean to cut you off. Her and Daniel took my heart. I'm like, I can't deal with these flipping episodes, but... It's like a car crash. You can't stop watching. No. Uh, John Arezzi had to uh, go, but we want to thank him. Uh, hopefully, oh, we're going to get him yes. back. Uh, I want to thank John Arezzi for tonight because that yes. the knowledge that that man brought to this show and, and the, the stories, uh, not to discredit you, Mr. President, to be Brian Blair. But, no, uh, no, Mr. President. Uh, that, uh, no, not we me. learned a lot from Mr. John Arezzi, and uh, I'm going to mm-hmm. continue – I want to encourage everyone to listen to Pro Wrestling Spotlight then and now, uh, pwspod.com. And, uh, you know, that so much good stuff we got to talk about with John Arezzi. And, uh, folks, this guy has been around so long, I didn't even know that he wrestled Dusty. He was telling that story. <laughs> yeah, and about- I know, right? B, did he ever tell you the story about how he accidentally sucker punched Dusty in a match? <laughs> no, he did not. <laughs> oh, my God. Can you yeah. tell us what would happen if you sucker punched Dusty in a match? Uh, <laughs> uh, I'm not sure. You know, I got a lot of Dusty stories, um, and you've heard a couple of them right on this show. But um, I just uh, – I'm, I'm way past uh, where I need to be. But I'll tell you what, Bernadette, you need to write a book. Uh, you and Katie would be a heck of a tag team, and um, I enjoyed, you know, John, what a great story. Uh, that's no, that's not even story. funny. We, we, beat the, we beat up the same girl one day after the other. So that's not even funny. Her and I being a tag team, yeah, that's not even funny. Okay. Well, you'd, you'd, you'd learn to get along. But anyway, I, I got I to jump. She's I just want to say, uh, you know, while, while I was talking with you guys, I started thinking about Herb Simmons. I know he's in your area. Yeah. You guys ever see Herb? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Herb, Herb Simmons is a great guy. Super guy. Uh, speaking uh, of Bruce, that, Bruce uh, Brody, you great the... friend. He's gone. Another super guy. But um, I've got a slide, but please don't forget, uh, all your listeners, to check out the Cauliflower Alley Club at caulifloweralleyclub.org. I mean, we have yes. been helping so many of the guys that have been down on their luck uh, and uh, sure, have no uh, fault of their own. And um, 
You know, we've got some tremendous ambassadors out there helping us from Dwayne Johnson, Kevin Arquette, Jim Ross, uh, Dallas Page, um, uh, Big Mark Henry, uh, so many good guys out there really fighting a good fight for the Cauliflower Alley Club. So um, everybody is welcome to join. It's only 25 bucks a year. Uh, As long as you're a nice person, you can join for a lifetime membership for 300 bucks and uh, just go to caulifloweralleyclub.org. You'll be able to check out a reunion in September which will happen for sure, uh, according to the people in Vegas. Yes. So uh, I just want to say yeah. I, I love your show. I love you guys. I, I've really got to fly. I love you. Yeah. Okay, love you too. Love you too. Yeah, you yeah. Guys, uh, no. you Thank you, Brian. Brian. Take care. Okay. If anybody has Lenny Drudge's number, Steve, if you can get Lenny Drudge's number or uh, <laughs> uh, Benny Beach, uh, uh, please uh, give me a call. Will do. You guys will like to call you tomorrow. Okay, um, I don't know you guys if you've heard about John. John, Sean, you're a good man. But I'll I gotta call go. Thank you. Thank you. I love you guys. Thank you. Thank love you. Love you too, Brian. All right. All right. Love you that, much. Oh my. That was B. That Brian one. Blair, and uh, to be told, I was a good man by B. Brian Blair. Such an honor. Uh, yeah. And, um, I love that. So, um, we talked to John Aresi tonight. We talked to B. Brian Blair. We're gonna continue to talk for the next thirty minutes about some things. Um, the other person that we lost this week, and uh, I, I apologize uh, for not getting this up at the beginning of the program, but we lost a legendary wrestling promoter out of the Midwest this past week. Herb Simmons' business partner and the owner of MMWA Mid-Missouri Wrestling Alliance, Tony Casta, passed away this past week. We want to send our thoughts, memories, and prayers to all of his friends colleagues and family as Tony kept wrestling alive in the mid-Missouri area for a number of years and many, many, many men can thank Tony Casta for having a career in wrestling down in Missouri. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a, you know, um, cause when, uh, cause when Sean messaged me um, yesterday morning about uh, Supreme Al, he's like, that's number 30. It's like, oh, my God. So here we are. It's only the first week of May, guys. Mm-hmm. And we have lost 30 members of our fraternity. Well, we also lost one recently for, uh, like, in the last couple of days for Ontario Indie Wrestling, too. Sexy baby Jamie Jackson. Passed away oh, wow. on May 4th. Mm. Jeez. I can't even. This is, this is bad. I can't even. You know, when you can't even keep up with them now because they're happening so fast. I, I was, I was, I said, I said mm-hmm. last week on, uh, on 2020 is making 2018 look like a church picnic. Um, you know, we're, the way this is going, we're going to just wind up spending the entire year opening with a ten bell, because somebody will, somebody will go between tomorrow morning and next Thursday before we go on the air. It's it's just it's just like it's bound and determined that it's going to happen this year, this way. And I just it's just it's really it's really killing me. It's re- I mean. I, I probably I probably shouldn't say it that way, but uh, you know, um, but 
it's just it's it's well, it's really tearing me up at this at this stage. Yep. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, um, Steve's not kidding. We've had to talk had to talk him down a few times this month alone. Okay. I'm, yeah. I'm counting at least three. I'm counting at least three or four. Yeah. Seriously. You know. You know. If, I mean, if, and if I get a call, you know, Steve's upset. Well, yeah. uh, I don't know if you yeah. guys know, um, you know, the NXT uh, referee, Daryl Sharma, he used to wrestle his Hornet up here in Ontario. Um, he actually, he was one of the, the people that broke into the business with Jamie. And um, he uh, was part of the Hollywood hunks with um, Otto Bonn, who passed away last year. Because um, Otto Bonn was his manager back in the day. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's been a rough year so far. Uh, yeah, it's unfortunate. Yeah, it's it is. It's really it's really sad. I mean, you know, it's all yeah, right. I've I've never wanted the year to be over. Oh, as much as I've as I've already wanted this year to be over. And that. Yeah. I I well, I personally would also like a redo on twenty twenty. Yeah. I don't even know yeah. that I want a redo on it. I just you can take twenty twenty and shove it because this ain't been nothing but hassle for me. I'm, I'm losing friends. I'm lo- uh, you know, uh, as yeah. Herb uh, uh, not Herb Abrams, bleh. as John Arezzi and uh, D. Brian Blair said, this has been one of the most stressful years on the wrestling business. And I want to talk to you about that, Bernie, because you're a promoter. You work hand-in-hand with promoters, you know, that Steve and I promote. Uh, Katie doesn't really – Katie has learned from Steve and I and even you a little bit about promoting, but doesn't know all the yes. ins and outs. This I year I, – I can – you know what? When, when it seriously comes to it, I know sweet piss all. <laughs> this year is fucked for the rest of us. <laughs> Well, uh, uh, well, again, as you know, if you're promoting shows, well, how many of our shows have had to be canceled? <laughs> mm-hmm. Plenty. All of them. This year. All so of like, them. Yeah, I mean, exactly. Um, I'm not going to speak In fact, on ours, ours was but the I... last show that uh, happened before the lockdown was put into place at the rock pile, because um, our show was on the 15th and the... The order went in on the uh, the 16th, on the Monday there, the Monday night. Um, so ours wow. was the last thing that happened at the rock pile uh, before it had to be closed down. Um, ours was one of the last events. Anybody that wrestled on the Sunday, that was their last event until, I guess, till after July 20th when it starts to, because I believe they said, like, phase four, uh, it looks like it's probably mm-hmm. where, like, the wrestling stuff like that's going to be able to take place. And that's not happening until about July 20th. So, yeah. You are probably ahead of us. Because here in Illinois, it, it don't look good. Cool. We, we are hoping. Well, like I we said, are... if you can act right, you can have wrestling back. I told yeah. you this. We, act right. We are hoping <laughs> for August, but... Uh, I don't know. I've August I've got a good our, feeling. August is our phase five. August tenth is yes. our phase five. That's yes. that's I'm, when everything is supposed to be back to, dare I use the word normal, 
Um, well, yeah. you know what I mean? Uh, um, yeah. But, but right. Yeah. Well, like phase yeah, four, phase four, July twentieth, I'll be able to get my hair did because Lord knows it needs. Yeah. It. I'm just throwing it up there. It's a good thing you still my, my doing podcast. Yeah. That's all I'm saying. My my hair is about to the small of my back. It might be to my butt by the time this is done. Okay, and that's the donation like, mine, mine, I haven't mine, donated it. Yeah, here. mine's to my waist. Here's mine's my yours is donation length. Okay, well you guys. <laughs> They, they close the dentist here. I need to go see the dentist, and I can't you, even you go see the why? dentist. That's right. So you'll be able to see the dentist. The tattoo places yeah. and that are not going to be allowed till August 10th or oh, sometime no. after that. That's, that's I think true. it's stupid. If you need a tattoo during this pandemic, you, you, you're getting tattoos for all the wrong reasons. I need a yeah. tattoo. No, yeah. you need you're Jesus. You're an idiot. Yeah, people, you need well, Jesus. Hold on. Hold on. To be fair, they may have already had their tattoo booked and then had to have That's it true. postponed. That's true. So, um, so you know, the people I feel now, sorry the, for the people who were getting married this year and oh, are losing yeah. causes. My best, friend, the time, my best friend was supposed to be married April 18th. We don't know when she's mm-hmm. getting married now, probably sometime in September. Yeah, Jordan Grace had to cancel. That broke her heart, but yep. she donated all her flowers to first responders, to the nurses. Yeah. This, uh, I'm I'm gonna break ice here and talk about business, and I'll let Bernie talk about the business that she might have known about uh, that was gonna go on this summer. But here in Illinois, Steve and I were working with the photos <laughs> here in Illinois, and the original plan for June 26th and June 27th was the Rock and Roll Express. <laughs> And that's been that's scrapped right. for that's been scrapped for a while now because I, mm-hmm. what do you do? You can't. That's right. You can't. Oh you, my you, God, the, uh, Sean! I will never forget the day that you messaged me almost in tears that Pride is canceled. Pride's I gone. I will never forget that. Yeah, well, I mean Pride's gone. Canceled, baby. Pride's yeah. canceled. Well, I was. I'm that's, more upset yeah. that the. I'm more upset that the booking with. Rock and Roll Express got canceled yeah. because I knew about that around my birthday and I was looking forward yeah, to that. You were upset to that. Yeah. I, well, my, still... my, birthday, my birthday, my 45th birthday is June 1st, so I'm still <laughs> going to be in lockdown for my birthday. Oh, crap. Yeah, you're uh, almost well, two years younger than me. And we'll, yeah, and we'll my, still my, at least be in My poor niece and nephew, they're uh, 11 and, and 9 respectively. They had to spend their birthdays in lockdown because their birthdays were in March, March 26th and 27th. You know, my sister, who turned 44, had her, like, uh, there's so many people that have had their birthday in lockdown. Or it's just, it's one of these, it's, yeah, 2020 can suck off. Can I say that? Yes. Here's yes, the you thing. Can. You can say it as much here's, as you want. Like, like Here's the thing the about the wrestling like, business in 2020. This is the only way you can survive and stay relevant. And this is this is how we're going to end tonight, uh, because this is a this is a kind of an editorial okay. note from myself and uh, Bernie and Steve. You've got to have footage, okay? I have run six shows, seven shows <laughs> in my in my life, but I have footage. Yes, yeah. Right. Okay, I have footage of other things that I've had my hands in that I can point to and say, "Hey, I've had my hands in this. I'm active. This is footage." That's right. You have to. If you've got a school and you're not running mini cards out of your school and filming it to put up on YouTube later, you're a fool. 
um, because you're already paying well, for the building. The building is sitting well, there. Have to be to do, though, depending like, on. It only makes sense. Honest. It only makes sense. Crossbody does it. Smash does it. Uh, I mean, we've we've got a ton of footage in the in the can that we are are you know distributing on our YouTube channel slowly but surely. Again, just trying to like keep stuff going and trying to yeah. keep the name out there while we're waiting for the okay to get ourselves back out there. Because if you don't stay relevant, Bernie, do me a favor. Message me those links. I will put I will put those on our page. I will put that in the uh, Independent Wrestling Twenty Four Seven group on uh, Facebook you know, to help get to help get you guys over. Okay. Okay. You have, oh, yeah. you have to do something to stay relevant because look, fans aren't you know fans are hungry for wrestling. Don't get me wrong. When this thing is lifts, there's there might be a little bit of a resurgence of some wrestling fans, but yeah. They're not going to pay for shit quality wrestling. They're no. not going to pay. Let's go ahead and play this. We haven't played any ads tonight or taken any commercials. I don't think that we've let Bernie <laughs> hear this one. Oh, okay. Give it to her. I got to pull it up. Come here, pewter. Come here, pewter. Come here, pewter, pewter, pewter. This Saturday night at the Birmingham oh, Fairgrounds, Mud Show Championship Wrestling presents an all-star card of action-packed wrestling matches just for you. In the main event, Sam McCallahan faces Jelly Janela in a bleak 182 death match. Featured match, Joey Ryan versus Priscilla Kelly in a puke on the naughty parts match. First person to puke on their opponent's naughty parts loses. Garden Rake on a pole match. Special wheelbarrow race and much, much more. All that this Saturday night at the Birmingham County Fairgrounds. It's Mud Show Championship Wrestling. You don't want to miss it. Y'all better be there. Y'all better be there. Yeah, here. <laughs> that's, that's pretty cute. Oh, in a Blink-182 match. <laughs> small thing. Oh, oh God. my goodness. That, that's pretty funny. Me. Yep. Oh, uh, thank you. Thank you. And yeah. you want to know what's funny? Is not only is it Owen's birthday today, it's Kevin Steen's birthday. Kevin Owens. Kevin Owens. Oh, the reason why he took the yes. Owens name. The reason yeah. why he took the Owens name was his favorite wrestler was Owen Hart. That's why he named his son Owen. Yep, I remember him saying that. Mm. Yeah. Yep. Oh, my God. He came back with a lot of extra ink, man. He's got, like, a full sleeve going now. Oh, my God. He looks scary. I'm glad he's back. I love hating him, and I love loving him at the same time. I yeah, sent these... looks like... I okay. sent those two a meme earlier. Uh, Blair the Cable Guy... And I put Larry the Cable Guy's picture next to Kevin Owens, and I said, yeah. "Tell me." <laughs> and what did I tell Kevin, Kevin? And I said, "Kevin Owens is whiter." Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. It is. Exactly. But, but it is. The, the messed up thing is, I could see Vince one day just out of the blue. I'm gonna make Kevin Owens a cable guy. And 
he's going to look just like him. Because that's going to be such good shit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. (laughs) It's such good (laughs) (laughs) All right, guys. I want to talk to you about the AEW pay-per-view coming up because, uh, you know, WWE's got one, but AEW has got one, too. It's going to come your way. Uh, what's the date on this? May 23rd. It's going to be here in just a couple weeks. It's going to be mm-hmm. Cody versus Lance Archer in the tournament final for the AEW TNT Championship. I am I impressed with Lance. Yeah. Lance Archer is a beast. Oh, God, he's a beast. Yes. Him and Madman Fulton, man. So I want to see them in a ring together. Okay? That's I want to see in a ring together. I was thinking it last night. Well, uh, that would okay. that would be a good one. That would be, be a good sick. one. Asses and seats for miles. Then okay, God's gift to wrestling, as I call him, Maxwell Jacob Friedman. Oh, I love that man. That promo from last night was a masterpiece. There is a Smash wrestling match. Who the fuck was he wrestling? I, I can't remember who he was wrestling right now. It'll come to me. But I was being annoying at ringside because that's just what I do as a fan. And I had a kazoo. <laughs> and uh, well, let's just let's just say myself, MJF, and the kazoo were not we're not we're not friends. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> he decided to take my kazoo and stomp the crap out of it. <laughs> oh, oh, God. oh man! Oh man! It was amazing. <laughs> I, you know, just, just I want to. So you know, I want to be. So, Sean, hold on a second. Just so you know, Bernie knows everybody. Okay, everybody, I, everybody. I want to be very serious <laughs> about this. I have had probably over in the past year, year and a half, I have had a dozen promoters come to me and and, and go, "Who can I book?" And I was not keen on MJF. When, when they did the press conference with MJF, I took one look at him and I went, okay, this is just your other, you know, just another heel. But then the kid got on the mic. Ow. And when that kid began to, when that guy began to speak, it was almost like, you know, light going off in your head, but it wasn't a light. It was a, it was a reel of footage of him in the future. Yeah. And... The future that this kid has in wrestling, I told people before this lockdown happened that wanted to book a name. I said, if you're looking to book a name, book MJF now and thank me later. What do you mean oh, by that? that? He's, not that we're, he's not a big star. Book MJF now and thank me later. He's on Cameo. And he charged, hold on, hold on. This is the best part. He charges 500 fucking dollars. But the greatest thing in his video, right, because everybody on Cameo, they're like, hey, I'm on Cameo. Come and book me for, you know, birthdays and blah, 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 blah. He's like, hi. Uh, so I was bored and um, decided that I would do this. The reason why I'm charging $500, uh, you know, everybody else is so much cheaper than me is because, well, I don't fucking like any of you guys. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, but- I'm like, yes, it's perfect. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> as a business, as a wrestling promoter, 
if you can get your hands on getting MJF in your building, I don't know how the AEW contracts are working right now, uh, if they're exclusive or not, but if you can book MJF, book MJF, like I said, and thank me later. Because he's going to, you'll be able to sell that DVD from here till the end of time. When he's the champion of AEW, which part by words, it will happen. You'll be able to sell that DVD. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yep. There's a there's a reason why you know he, he there's a reason why he was kind of paired against uh, you know Chris Jericho. Obviously, Chris sees something in him. Same with Sammy Guevara. Like, holy crap! Yeah. The kid's twenty yeah. something. I got bronze older than him. Sammy Guevara is so talented. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, Guevara is like uh, love, 22, 23. MJF is twenty four. It's like, like it's, it's just like, ridiculous. These freaking kids Steve Guevara is in his 20s. I'm telling you, I pegged him at, like, if, lucky if he was 20. Oh, my God, is he was. I got, I got a really cute <laughs> picture with him. That's all that, that's all that matters. <laughs> yeah, yep. that does, yeah, yep. that is all that matters. You got, because, I mean, he, he was, he you know, you got those guys. Well. Jungle Boy, yeah. who's, like, yeah, Jungle Boy. 22, I think, if I remember right. And that, Another one, uh, sure. It looks like he's sixteen. Yeah. <laughs> I love him. He does. Well, he does. I'm taller than he is. <laughs> I am gonna I am gonna send Bernadette oh, yeah, the contract. Marco Stunt. But if you want somebody you're really taller than Marco Stunt. Exactly. I'm that brings me to my Marco next point. I, Are you really? I'm and, almost and, as tall and, as Marco Stunt. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I'm and, and Yes. Yeah. And Bernie's almost as tall as I am. Okay, I'm five foot two, but that's still not much different. I'm I'm so, four okay. foot seven. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So maybe I'm as tall as Marco Stone. <laughs> <laughs> Why is that child oh, in the wrestling God. ring? But yeah, exactly. Man, but exactly. Like Does anybody know family. where this kid's okay. parents are at? <laughs> <laughs> right. Right? Is there, yeah. Oh, my God. Is there a lost child? Is somebody looking for their lost child? I think I found them. Exactly. Yeah. But did yeah. you see him, him on Jericho's singing with Jericho? Oh, yeah. Leo oh, God, yeah. A 20, what, 25, piece of, 25 year old piece of gold. And now he says he may not ever wrestle again. But he's going back to his music. So I'm hoping that works out for him. Um. Speaking of MJF and Jungle Boy, MJF versus Jungle Boy at Double or Nothing on the 23rd for Double or Nothing. John Moxley versus Brody Lee. Um, Yeah. I got to be honest to you, and I'm going to call spade a spade. I had higher hopes for Brody Lee in AEW than the Dork Order. I'm I'm actually a little disappointed on how many digs they've felt the need to take at Vince. Because they've got such a great product, there is no need for them to that, that, let Vince do that stooping. That's what Vince does. Yeah. There's no reason that, for yeah, them to exactly. do that. And anyway, it's calling it's, it. It's fine. Yeah, calling it. it, it in. Yeah. Yeah, it is what it is. But calling it the other place is enough, as far as I'm concerned. Okay. Like you don't right. need to, exactly. You're right. Don't need to stoop to Vinnie Max level. Okay. Don't need to make an ass of yourself doing it. There's no. There's no need to. You're a better product, as far as I'm concerned. So why? Do because it, that's, right? that's that's what it ends up looking like. Do you, do you not mm. remember how stupid those uh, billionaire Ted videos looked like? That oh was my god! It, 
Like, it's the same deal. Just uh, Brody Lee looks a lot better than the uh, weird billionaire Ted and the huckster and the nacho man yeah. and Gene yeah. Gene and... Yeah. Oh, my land. <sighs> All right. Yeah. It's, the, it's, the, it's, the, it's the 2020 version of that, and it's like there was yeah. no need for it. All right. Especially when he's so talented. Yeah. Just let him do his talk right. in the ring. Right. Well, we learned well, today. Okay, what did we learn today? <laughs> we, learned today that there, we learned today <laughs> that uh, there is going to be a new show coming to A and E on cable. And this mm-hmm. one is going to really – we talked about this. I talked about this with Katie and Steve. Uh, this yeah, show is going to be called The Quest for the Lost WWE Treasures. Yeah. It will feature Triple H and Stephanie leading the team of collectors and wrestlers around the country in an attempt to find iconic and lost WWE memorabilia. And bring it home? So kind of like And bring home. it back to their warehouse. Well, they're going to be paying some hefty – some hefty money because if I had stuff that they wanted back, I'll, I'd be a bitch about it. I, I wouldn't be cheap, but depending on who was asking me and what it was, of course. But yeah, they're going to be paying out their ass. That's just them, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. The thing right. about it is this. They are not going to get any of the memorabilia that the museums already have, and they're going to pay. They're going to pay for this memorabilia. But the thing is, they've got so much stuff. He's probably got, if I had to guess, five to ten warehouses full of things going back to the 1970s, from when his father was still in operation, rings and sets yeah. and. Logos, right? And programs. Oh, and... absolutely. I mean, yo, I mean, they pulled when they did when they did Raw twenty five. That's that's where they pulled the old uh, Ico Pro banner out of that yep. they had at the Manhattan Theater. Was they pulled it out of the warehouse down in Orlando? He so, has got. They have got. Now you also have to think about this. Some of the stuff they have letting go to you know, employees that may have worked for like ECW or WCW, but there's still a lot of that stuff that they've got too. So he's got all the stuff from WWF. He's got all the stuff from WCW, AWA, whatever he could get his hands on, he's got. And they don't have a museum somewhere. Why? Exactly. Why is all all of this stuff sitting there collecting dust? Why why is why is the cage that Mick Foley got thrown off of by the Undertaker sitting in a warehouse in Orlando? Why is it because not it is. put up together in a building or, side or by side, it, you know? okay, and I'm gonna and I'm gonna say it this way. Side by side with the cage that Jimmy Snooker jumped off of onto Don Morocco in Madison Square Garden. Absolutely. Yeah. Those three ages yeah. And when be, yeah, and when he did it in when he did it in Toronto. Toronto. And when he when he when he did it in Toronto he missed right. three times. Yep. Yep. <laughs> I mean they have got well, literally he might not want to put that one up. 
sit, you sit and think about what people will pay to go to an amusement park and take a vacation to do something like that or go to these bigger museums. If Vince were to open a huge-ass museum where, you know, you could stand in the ring that WrestleMania 1 happened in, you could stand yeah. under the, the first hell in a cell, um, you could stand in the first elimination chamber, you know, things like that that, that, are, so, that, that are so – That are so iconic <laughs> – People would pay for it, and he's got all of this yeah. stuff, and it just sits. And now they're going to co- go collect more of it, and I'm for that. But the fans aren't getting to appreciate all of that stuff. Right. That's right. why you got Steiner. That's why you got to promote the Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame down in Wichita Falls, Texas, and yeah. where you can actually go see memorabilia that's been donated by. You know, Bruiser Brody's family and, you know, Ric Flair's robe is there. And I've been there and it's amazing. And they're expanding. And it's just a shame that, um, yeah, that uh, something uh, isn't being done. But in the meantime, there is a place where people can go. Uh, you know, just if, you know, if, if you don't know about it, you won't go. And that's why right. it's important to, for people to know about the Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame. Like, I've gone right. to, uh, you know, it's, it's amazing. Mm-hmm. Right. You've got, you've got that. You've got that one. Um, you've also got the uh, Thez Tragos uh, Hall in uh, Iowa that uh, has right. a lot of memorabilia. And that um, it's, one, it's one of the things that I am so glad about, uh, um, you know, not to, not to bring up past things, but uh, when my but when my second wife and I got married, we took our honeymoon to Southern California, and one of the, and one of the places that I wanted to go see because uh, we were staying in Anaheim, and it was just uh, right up the road in Sun Valley was Slammers, which um, was uh, at that time was the was the uh, foremost training school on the West Coast. And it also had one of the uh, best collections of um, memorabilia around. Um, had stuff from Ivan Koloff, had uh, robe, boots, and a lot of gorgeous oh. George's hair when he lost a hair match. And no. this and this was and this was all in this in this in this one in this one building. And um they were and they were actually on break. So I had made a call, I had gotten Fern Langdon, God rest his soul, I got his number from Mike Gratchner, our general manager of Windy City at the time. And so I had called him up, left a message saying I was coming out there for you know, for my honeymoon, and I really wanted to see the school and get to see his memorabilia collection. So he called me back. Um, he says, "You know, when you when you get in, and you want to come. Um, we're on we're on break right now because they did like winter break at the time." And um, he says, "You you call me, and you can and I'll uh, and I'll open up so that." Uh, you guys can uh, 
come and see it and that. And so I went, took pictures. Um, I checked out, I checked out his ring and everything. Um, it was, you know, it was, it was, it was, an, it was an amazing, it was an amazing place and that, um, and of course, you know, um, nowadays uh, Santino Brothers is the is the place to train in uh, Southern California, and that. But uh, before that, it was it was Slammers, and like I say, he had all Vern had all this great stuff, and that it's you know it's a it's a shame that more isn't you know around in various places in the country to be able to do that. So, well, we are, um, we are headed toward pay-per-views. Um, we certainly are. Yeah. We've got some, I've got to, I've got uh, to make, make a call to Hugo because I'm going to find out. Um, yes. One of the releases that we did not know about, um, but uh, was definitely um, part of was part of the bunch, and that Cain uh, Velasquez, yes, got oh. uh, got released by WWE. So now the next Shoot. question is this: Will he once they reopen? Will he go back to Triple A? No. Oh. Um, well, we so I've we got had, I got to call you and I can ask him. We had the amount that AEW was fined by the Maryland Athletic Commission, um, and it was ten thousand dollars. Okay, well. Wow! Hello? I just heard Jagoff. <laughs> what? Yeah, Chris Cruz, the Chris Thank Cruz, you. the little. A little never was ex WCW announcer, a guy who's not oh, good enough to shine the shoes of Jim Ross, Tony Schiavone, and Excalibur. Was a little Katie, you can say the word B word, whiny, whiny, yeah, whiny. Okay, it was uh, a yeah. that too. Yeah. Uh, and filed a complaint with the Maryland State Athletic Commission because of the fact that there was blood in the Kenny Omega John Moxley match, and so they got fined ten thousand dollars, and yeah. with a warning that if they come back and there is blood again, that they will they will be barred from performing in Maryland. Well, gee, oh guess what? Guess what, Chris Cruz? You know, yeah, WWE oh, doesn't uh, doesn't normally do blood, but they're not good. Kept, when was the last time you heard about a WWE blood. event in Maryland? There hasn't been one in ages. <clears throat> it's gonna it, it's gonna kill he's gonna kill the independent scene in Maryland because he's such a jackass. Oh, mm. and I let and I let him have it through my uh, through my little private uh, Twitter account last night about this. Oh, good. Well, oh, it's not so, so private if you just told the world about it, there, buddy. 
It's not private anymore. No well, I didn't. Well, I didn't say. I didn't say what my Twitter handle was. So you don't. You, you still I don't, don't know, know that either. part. And I'm not. And, and I'm not telling I. that one. Uh, all right, we've got to we've got to address the 1,100 pound yeah. elephant in the room. Everybody thinks yeah. that uh, the person behind the hacking of WWE is CM Punk. I am here to tell you, I believe it's Killer Cross. Or as they've repackaged him, whatever name they've given him. Given him. I thought they were but saying I, it was Ali for the longest time as well. They well, were, there, was a, there, was, there was a there was a deal, yes. Um, so I mean, it, look. If that, at this point, if CM Punk's willing to come back all these years later, I wish yeah. he would have done it ten to fifteen years ago. A CM Punk yeah. in you People know two thousand. Right. I agree. I mean, I agree. it's yep. uh, it's. Uh, but I did get to see the ever so impactful debut of Killer Cross and NXT with Scarlett. And my God, those two look like a million dollars. Good. I'll have to. I'll have yeah, to, they look really good. Put, I'm excited. I don't know if I may have leaked something that I shouldn't have leaked. I, there was a picture of it somewhere, um, and it was it was incredible. Well, He's well, all done. To, I guess they're supposed to be making their debut next week. Well, no. <laughs> Let me see if I can find this picture. One at a time. No, they 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 made their debut last week when oh, they attacked the face from behind. They attacked right. the face from behind, and all he said was TikTok, and you saw yep. yeah, Killer Cross said TikTok, and you saw Scarlet's boot, and then they said that they were coming next week or whatever. Yeah, like it's it's not a secret. Like they're they're going to be fantastic. <laughs> like <laughs> Impact Impact was stupid to let them go. I think I agree. I, I have not seen a lot of they, and the reason that they had him in the doghouse was so stupid. Yeah, mm-hmm. they were unhappy there to begin with, so it doesn't even matter. I am oh, impressed well. by this lose? guy. Um, I haven't seen a lot of him, but I tell you what I've seen, I like. Um, I don't know how you could let a talent like this slip through your fingers. Um, and I think that uh, hopefully they're going to be happy here. And if they're not, obviously the door would hopefully be open to them at AEW. Um, I think they're going to be happy where they're at, though. Uh, hopefully. 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 Um, well, you know. Vince has managed to screw up everything that we see hope in, so I don't want to well, say anything about yeah. it right now. And that's yeah, the one question I didn't get to ask Donna Rezzi that I wanted to ask tonight was, do you what? have any good Vince stories? Because oh. I've, I'm sure with the with the uh, odd the out relationship, I tell you what, that guy, uh, Vince probably still does not like the, 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 the hearing the name of John Rezzi. Um, well, well, I'll tell you one thing. I did enjoy him, and I really hope we can get him back. He was wow, just wow. Yeah. Well, I definitely. A lot I, of I, think, I said I and I said we would definitely like to get you uh, back on for for a night on on your own sometime. 
and that. Yeah. So uh, he brought a lot of good knowledge. And uh, uh oh, where's that echo coming from? We got to find that. It's gone. All right. You know he's <laughs> he's one of the most influential guys. Like I said, he's not a household name, but the stories that he let out on his radio show and articles that he wrote, man, that stuff that stuff blew up the wrestling world. And you you've got a guy that knows so much because he was so he'd get stories that Meltzer wouldn't get. Nope. Because people don't too. like Mel people don't like Meltzer. Yeah. Exactly. Well, Meltzer has his haters and Meltzer has his followers. Just That's like true. us. Russo, just, I mean, we all have our haters, whatever. We all have people who like us. It, it is what it and, is. And especially in this business, it can be very yeah. divisive and fans are very fickle. Mm. Like, it's just funny yeah. that they had Daniel Bryan mm. say that. Straight out. Fans are, fans yeah. are ridiculously fickle. Um. Fox I mean, but, but again, but again, good press, bad press, names go on your list. Yes. Fox Sports 1 to air WWE WrestleMania recall next week. The Fox Sports 1 programming block for Tuesday night. We'll take a look back at the WWE WrestleMania 3. Oh, wow. Okay. Wow. I can't even tell you where I was when I saw it. <laughs> uh, I don't. It's going to be on at 7 p.m. Eastern. Wait, it does not say what time it's going to be on. Uh, I would guess that they are going to try to put this on to try to combat Dark Side next week on the Road Warriors and try to steal some well, of that I'm viewership. I'm not um, watching it. If, if, if it's on during Dark Side, uh, no, no, I'm watching the Road Warriors, and that's the long and the short of it. Yeah. So, on that. Um. Man, Dark Side has done <laughs> such a great job, and we talked about some of the things that they could uncover in season three. It's all your fault. And, this, and the sad it's thing all your is, fault. it's all your fault. All of it. It is not. <laughs> it is not. Yeah. The sad thing so, is, so it's, it's this, your fault that I love this show and I cannot stop watching it. I mean, <laughs> I mean, it's it, it is. It's a car crash just as, just as much as, as as Tiger King is, but way more interesting. It does it for me, man. It it does. It does. It's a I think the there. amount of cocaine that has been on this show is more than any wrestler can handle. Between between <laughs> yeah. Gino Hernandez and New Jack. <laughs> well, I was last without cocaine, cocaine time, you know? I <laughs> mean, yeah. They, 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 that's one thing we didn't bring up. One thing we didn't bring up is was it Vaseline? It, actually, it was both. It was covered in Vaseline and Coke and found covered in baby oil and Coke and Wow. Just wow. Yeah. Yeah. Herb definitely, <laughs> Herb definitely was a, okay. uh, was a uh, really weird kinko. Hey, man. <laughs> this, this is a lock on my business. I also room. want to talk okay. about Colonel well, Red. Me. Colonel Red, if he sat back in the corner <laughs> and just watched that like he said he did, why would you sit there? I had, I wanted to get out of the head hotel, but I didn't know how. Walk through the door. Well, yeah. you know. Yeah, but at the time why, you were looking to get a job. And... One at a time. Right? Why do people stay in abusive relationships? Sometimes they just feel they can't walk away, even though it seems so easy. 
and it's right there. The answer's right there, but there's extenuating circumstances. Maybe, you know, there was a reason why he didn't feel he could walk away, couldn't walk out of that room. Maybe he felt he'd be fired if he did. Maybe he felt some other repercussions. Who knows? Mm. Go ahead, Steve. Exactly. Well, no, I, you know, I think that I think I think you know said it already, so I'm good with that. Yay! All right. Well, anything else anybody wants to bring up? I'm good. No, I think we've done we, quite a bit today. Yeah, yeah. we've done we, quite a bit tonight. Talk, it's talk, been, we talked. It, we talked about everything. Got to hear me blush on air. Um. Yeah, it's a great show. Seriously, that, why yep. do you think I went quiet when when John was talking? Because I was just like, wow. This yeah, is there was a lot of wow moments tonight oh, with John and oh, Rezzi. I know. I know what I wanted to bring up. This is what we will close with. What? 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 ACH is regretting that he called WWE racist. Well, of course. Imagine that. He wants money. He's an idiot. Shut up. Exactly. Shouldn't even put his name up. He doesn't really talk about him. Nope. Nope. Sorry, dude. <laughs> yeah. I don't care how talented you are. Now he wants back in the business. You he's burned up. off he's his bridges. Yeah, I agree with you, Bernie. Right there, man. Dude, <laughs> he done fucked up. Like, what an idiot. <laughs> It clearly was not about being a rubbery. I mean, I understood where he was going with it, but he, he was all about the smiles, and that's what they were fucking going for. Nobody thought as a racist should accept him. And then all of a sudden when people put it out, people go, oh, now I see it. Well, yeah, but it's like, fuck off. Anyways. I'm over it. I'm, it's done. Okay, so, I'm going to let so you go. <laughs> Thank you, Bernadette. <laughs> yep. Thanks, Bernie. All right. Thank you, Bernie. Well, we are closed. Brooklyn Authority Radio for tonight is closed. I'd like to thank all of our guests, John (laughs) Rizzi, Bernadette Johnson, and B. Brian Blair. And uh, Mm -hmm. next week, do we have anything scheduled for next week yet, Steve? Are we going to kind of play that by ear, see if we can get a hold on? We're playing that by by ear. Um, I have a feeler out, and that is all I will say. Okay, good. Okay, well, that feeler better not be farting on a snare drum because I'm not having none of that. All right. <laughs> well, Katie, tell everybody what time it is because I I need to get out of here. I'm sp- I'm spent, folks. I'm gonna have some yeah good dreams tonight, and uh, you know what time it is. You don't have to go home, but you sure as hell can't stay here. Good night, everybody. Take good night. Turn off the turn off the lights. Closing time, open all the doors and let you out into the world. Closing time, turn all of the lights on over every boy and every girl. Closing time, one last call for alcohol to finish your whiskey or beer. Closing time, you don't have to
Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky. Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess. Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18+. Plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.